Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us here on a sunny day in a very deserted city of Westminster as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Challoner and today I'm joined by Stephen Dobinson. Stephen is from ARC Building Consultancy, um, a, charter, a firm of chartered building surveyors over in the uh, the Midlands. Um, Stephen, welcome to the programme and it's great to have you on the air with us today. Good morning, how are you? Uh, absolutely fantastic. I'm as good as can be uh, working from home with uh, the whole COVID-19 situation, I have to say. Now, um, what I will say, Stephen, is that the purpose of this podcast, first and foremost, is to get a variety of distinct perspectives on the topic of leadership. So what I'd like to understand is what that word leader actually means to you personally. Yeah, okay. Well, le- leadership to me, over, over the years, I've encountered quite a few people in my profession um, some of bullies um, and everything else, but I, I, I very much take the view now it's it's all about inclusivity and trying to um, actually bring people along, bring them with me, um, and um, have a, a, a consensus of a view across the team uh, rather than trying to impose a view. I think leadership is all about um, just trying to get people to buy into what the, what the message is and what you're trying to sell to your clients and provide to your clients. And if you can't do that, then then, then the team doesn't come with you and it becomes very destructive. So if you think about your leadership style then for a moment then, Stephen, you would describe that as very much team orientated and focusing on that collective. It, it, it would be, yes. I mean, it's interesting because building surveying is actually, although we have a, we have teams in both um, Nottingham and Birmingham, um, the projects we do are normally individuals dealing with a specific project, um, and they're not normally necessarily a, it's not normally normally necessarily a team effort. Um, but the office is a team, so everybody's sitting around very supportive. Um, they listen to uh, conversations, and 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 we, we 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 factor into every project because we can hear what's going on and try and help people through the way. Um, so it's all about inclusivity, really, and and bringing and bringing people along. Exactly right. I think um, it's important as a leader to remember that you're very much not on your own as a leader. It's not a one man or a one woman operation. It's very much just no. about the people around you, isn't it? And also developing um, a culture, I think, and which is also really important, which can nurture the best out of those employees, but also allow them to get the best out of you as well. It, it, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's um, with, with over the years, um, We've, we've, we've brought people into the business uh, that we thought were the finished article um, and it hasn't quite worked out because their philosophy and approach wasn't quite the same. And we're now actually moving to trying to bring um, younger people into the business um, and, and catch them younger um, and, and, we, and then give them the technical skills um, to go forward um, rather than trying to buy the technical skills. Um, and, and, and sitting down with people and actually saying, look, you will make mistakes. You will you will cock it up, um, but because we're in a plan office, we're here. We we've all been there probably before. We can we can resolve the problem, but you've almost got to learn by your mistakes um, to become better at it. That's um, a really good point that, there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so rather than trying to browbeat people and and lambast them for for making mistakes, it's actually no. It's, what, what, what did you learn from that mistake? What was what was the problem? Why did you miss it? What was and and actually just question things really. Um, and just give people the confidence to actually think that they can make a decision and they can actually do something um, rather than sit back and think that the decision has to come from me 
or one of the other senior members of the team. Um, everybody has to feel empowered, really, to, to, to do the job. And I think clients respect that as well. They, they, they then build a better rapport with our team and, and, and that kind of thing. I can certainly see the merits um, in that approach, um, Steve. And um, you probably have sort of heard me saying as you were speaking that I can really, really understand uh, why you take that approach. Because I think as a leader and as an employee, I think it's not really possible, is it, to really develop and learn your trade without going out of your comfort zone and trying different things, making mistakes, getting things wrong, and then being able to learn from that. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that's and that's really, really important because um, everyone's got to grow all the time. And if you don't, I, I think most people get bored. Um, and and we want people in the business to question um, and to question me um, and actually to be champing at a bit to say that oh, I want your job, Steve, <laughs> um, because that's how we can drive our business forward. Um, if people just sit back and expect it to be handed on a plate, then it becomes a very staid sort of atmosphere. Um, so it needs to be a bit dynamic, questioning, and for people to feel comfortable and confident that they can actually question me and and say why did you do that? I would have done it differently, um, and and that's fine. I've got, I've, I've, I, th- I think as a leader, if, if you're comfortable and confident in your own skin, um, that that's absolutely fine. But over the years, I've had people who who are the bullies who I think actually aren't comfortable and confident in what they've in their skill set, and as a consequence, they have to browbeat browbeat everybody else. Um, whereas I think actually leaders, it's not about um, well, I think it's it's all about basically just trying to bring people along with you. Um, it's not about being their best mate, obviously, um, but it's about making them grow, letting them grow, and and also accepting the fact that they might move on, they might go somewhere else, um, um, and 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 hopefully that will then pay dividends in the future because they've got respect for you as well. Um, so you never know where people are going to turn up in the future. I think that's absolutely right. And you often hear it said as well, um, just going back to the point that you made just a little bit earlier on, that um, you learn so much more when you are pushed and you are challenged than when things are essentially going well and things are just sort of just ticking over in a way. Because as you say, I think that kind of mentality where you're not sort of pushing the boundaries, as it were, it can lead to a little bit of stagnation at times, can't it? it, it, it exactly, yes. Um, and, and, and building surveying in terms of what we do, it's not... It's not the most exciting of professions. It's about buildings. It's about building defects, and it's and it's quite a dull subject area. Um, but it's very important um, in relation to surveying and properties and that sort of stuff. So actually, it's to try to get that interest into it, and and and, and that sort of thing. And you, you've got to bring people with you. If you don't bring people with you, um, then the business doesn't grow. Your clients get bored with you, and you don't provide the service that everybody needs really. Exactly right. And um, we've often heard it said um, as well that uh, the current situation, of course, with the COVID-19 outbreak has been a real learning curve uh, for businesses, not just all over the UK, but um, all over the world. And have you found as well that you've been learning more about um, your team and how they operate during this time as well? Yeah, yes, we have. I mean, we, we, um, I've, I've, I've always been very big on technology and trying to stay up to date with um, operating systems and, and that sort of stuff. And and making sure that everybody has their information at their fingertips, um, because information is, is is power really in terms of speed of response. So we've always been pretty good at having the team working remotely. They can get into our servers from their phones. They can get to the servers from the internet. They log into an internet cafe. So home working in a way was almost a sort of the next step really. Um, 
and that's worked pretty well. Um, but, by, but, but by the same token, um, I think business also works around people and interaction with people. Mm. And we've now got to come to some very um, careful ways of actually just trying to get that balance back between from, from being completely isolated and just doing it via Zoom and Teams um, over the internet through to people actually interacting again. Um, and that's, that's, that's the next challenge, really. Exactly. I think uh, prior to where the, um, the outbreak, we may have taken that sort of human contact, that everyday sort of uh, social contact um, for granted a little bit, um, haven't we? Um, there's a, certainly um, an element of uh, that um, that's really sort of coming to the fore now. But I think we talked about, of course, the importance of culture and that team mentality. And I think those who are now having to allow their employees to work from home and take on that little bit of extra independence. It will be those business leaders that will really be sort of reaping the benefits of that, won't they? Because they'll be finding that yeah. everybody will be mucking in and really playing their part at this point. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've always worked, and I've always worked um, on the basis that as, as surveyors, we don't do a nine to five day anyway, and never have done. Um, the, the phone goes and the client needs a service because we're a service industry. So therefore we might have a longer day start later or vice versa um, so I've never really been fixed around a nine to five day um, but by the same token up, up with, 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 with all the guys it's we, we give them a, a task and a project to do and um, so that we, we, we have a deadline with the client to say it needs to be out in a week or two weeks time or, or whatever it may be as, as providing that the, uh, the team member um, actually achieves that um, they can do it however they want to wherever they want to when they want to um, it's about actually getting the service out to the client at the right point in time, not how we get there. Um, that's that's the key, really, to us. Yeah, and and the guys, and some some people buy into that, um, and some people don't. And this is where it, you, you need a balanced view because everybody's different, um, and every office needs different types of personalities within it. Um, to make it work, there's, there's there's some people who love to just sit in front of their screen and type away and bash away and and, and generate specifications and, and and word documents, but don't like the interaction with clients. And that's absolutely great, and that's a real benefit to the business. And actually, it's it, 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 I think it's about valuing every single aspect of, of, of the team in terms of what they offer. I mean, our um, my secretary um, is as key to getting a service out and delivered to the client as I am. I can do the technical bit, but she types it and, and formats it and that sort of stuff for me. And that's absolutely critical. So every single stage in the process is critical and nobody's worth more or less than anybody else. Um, if that makes sense. It's, um, mm. it's just trying to get that balance right and and respecting people and valuing people. Um, and that, and, and it's, it, it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. There's always one or two individuals that never quite sort of like to work in that way. But um, I think generally it's moving that way. The youngsters love working that way. Um, and uh, and, I, and it's definitely going to get bigger in the future. I think you're absolutely right. And I, I can certainly see um, what you're saying in that it's so important to have a different blend of uh, personalities to really create a very dynamic team. Um, if you were, however, to channel your experience, Stephen, and give some advice to that next generation of emerging leaders, particularly given your focus on younger people, what sort of advice would you give them personally? Personally, in, in terms of what, what, what always um, um, strikes me when we, when we talk to people and, and the youngsters coming through, it's, it's, it's enthusiasm. Um, 
people who are enthusiastic about something and have a bit of a bit of personal drive, um, regardless of whether it's in the right professional area or whatever, they always come across more strongly than other candidates who technically might be might be so much more superior. Um, because at the end of the day, it's, it's still a, it's still industry and business. It's still about people and what they want and how they want it and, and what they need to do. Um, so people skills are very important. So enthusiasm is important. Personality is important. Um, and and a bit of bit of advice I was given very early days um, when I came out as a as a graduate back in 1989 was um, basically told to in the day always read the paper. Always have a view on current affairs, um, sport, whatever it may be, so that you can always talk to somebody, not necessarily about business, but about something, um, and engage with people. Um, and that's the key for me. It's all about engagement. Mm, I can certainly see where you're coming from uh, there, uh, Stephen. And um, interestingly, you talk there about obviously looking for certain individuals who have a certain self-motivation, a certain sort of drive. Uh, but at the same time, you're also looking for individuals who may not necessarily be the uh, the finished article. And I think that paints a really important picture because you can learn skills. You can develop those, pick those up on your journey yeah. as being an employee and in, in, in becoming a leader, of course. But I think Things like self-motivation, drive, enthusiasm, those are some things that just have to come within that you can't really be taught, can you? They, no, they can't, but, 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 but people can. It's, it, it, it's finding the right switches within people to, to turn those things on. Because um, so everybody somewhere within them has some enthusiasm about something um, that can then be um, nurtured, developed. Um, we, we had one individual um, a few years back who didn't really, I don't, he wasn't really um, um, infused by being a surveyor. He, he just went, he just managed, he just ended up coming down that road. And his enthusiasm was into event organisation and things like that. Um, and we were just trying to think, okay, well, how can we make that work for us? Um, is, that, is that an area of business that we could maybe tap up and, and you, can, you can run with it? Um, so there's always something. Um, it's, just, it's just finding it. Um, and spending the time and the effort to actually sit down and talk to people and just try and work out what makes people tick. Um, and rather than being stuck in a particular set of tram lines and saying, this is where our business is going, this is what it's going to do, and, and no one will do anything else. And if you're not on the, if you're not on the rails, away you go. Um, that's, that's, that's a route for disaster as far as I can see, um, because you need to be able to move around and be flexible and, 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 and jump to new, to new sectors, really. Mm. And to get the best out of people, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that a leader has to be an expert in human psychology. It's just about honing those people management skills in that context, isn't it? It is very much so. Um, it's not. Yeah, you don't need to be experts in these things. I think most people can sit down and engage with somebody and talk to somebody. Um, and I, and I, I think this is one of the areas that has been a little bit lacking um, with 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 the advent of technology. Is now everybody um, can hide behind emails. Would rather send an email than speak to somebody, um, and this is where I was sort of saying all about trying to get that balance between the sort of the, the the problem we're in now in terms of social distancing and that sort of thing. It almost allows people now to just rely on emails and and very and very impersonal forms of communication, whereas people do like to speak to people, and, mm-hmm. and this 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 whole thing on the the, the news at the moment about. Um, people's uh, mental minds and, and, and social issues and things like that are important as well. People have still got to talk to people. Um, and it's getting that balance. 
everything is about balance, really. I think that's absolutely right. And um, if we think about the future for a moment, uh, Stephen, before we do uh, wrap things up on today's programme, um, do tell me what you envision the next 12 months will hold for yourself and for Arc Building Consultancy, and also, more importantly, what you hope to achieve in that time, particularly in navigating this current situation, but also in emerging from the other side as well. Yeah, I mean, our, our, our initial... Um um, concerns and worries at the moment is is just what what is going to come back. Um, there's a lot of talk about um, a recession and, and the market's not coming back very quickly and and things like that. But I'm, a, I'm always an eternal optimist, and as long as people can talk to each other, I'm, I'm always of the view that things can come back quicker and more positive um, than, than, than than maybe they are portrayed to be. So I I do think once the the, the, the lockdown is is started to be eased. Um, I think people generally are really, really, really good at trying to come up with solutions to problems. Uh, we will find solutions to obviously the issue with, with, with COVID-19, but also in terms of how we operate our businesses, um, keep, keep boxes open and, and move that forward. So I think that will happen, but I think at the moment there's just an awful lot of unknowns and that's the worry at the moment. But over the next 12 months, I mean, it, 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 I think what, what was the norm um, back in February and early March, um, obviously won't be the norm going forward, and everybody's going to have to think very hard about mm. um, moving laterally and trying to find other angles. Um, and 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 opportunities that this is this is actually going to make, because it will make opportunities for mm. people and businesses. Um, it's just trying to work out what they are yet, because the, the route forward isn't 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 clear yet. That's 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 the biggest problem. Exactly right. There's an awful amount of uncertainty at the moment, but it seems as if the team at Art Building Consultancy is certainly striving to uh, do its best to see the business through this uh, time. And what I think as well, uh, Stephen, would, that would be really great for the listeners is maybe to revisit this in a few months, maybe have you back on the air with us and just catch up on how the uh, the business is doing. Um, but for now, I have to say, I mean, it's been a really insightful experience and also an absolute pleasure having you on the programme for today. And thanks ever so much for taking the time to come on and speak with me. It's been fantastic. No, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been, been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it, Stephen. Thank you. That was thank Stephen you. Dobinson from Art Building Consultancy. Um, coming up next on today's programme, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 Football World Cup hero, Sir Jeff Hurst, as well as scoring over 200 league goals during his football career for the likes of West Ham United and Stoke City. Sir Jeff remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup after his treble in England's 4-2 win over West Germany at the old Wembley Stadium 54 long years ago. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Jeff, and that's coming up next. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me, realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, <laughs> I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, 
but the problem that I had was was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where. Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, 
Uh, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially with Seven Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who, who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. up naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a, a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, at, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be, who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and so I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. 
And there really must have been moments, if maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation. Did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, mm. out. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about it, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again the leadership that Al showed, he, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. There's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, "Oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch." So that—I've uh, been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. 
what a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but I, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make then again, laugh if you, that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... It would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today, uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. 
he's the best example of management I think we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today yes I think so I think yes no Hmm. no question at all I think they uh, Ron Greenwood yeah the the answer straightforward answer is yes um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, 
but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure they're not. Uh, there's, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.